0: Kevin Clark, my copy of the week 10 NFL script did not prepare me for what I saw out there because I saw a new name burst into the MVP conversation in AFC North rivalry game end in a walk off field gold, a contender return to form, maybe while exposing another and all of this while Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift were still out of the country. I loved watching her run across to give him a smooch.
1: Where do you want to begin? Casey? I want to begin with the aforementioned MVP candidate, C.J. Stroud. Okay. I I just think that, you know, we kind of talked offline, Clinton, about whether or not he was an MVP candidate because that was the buzzy tweet today. Is C.J. Stroud as an MVP candidate? And my initial thought was, okay, well, listen, let's all calm down. They lost to the Panthers within the last 30 days. Um, They lost to the Falcons, who shouldn't be beating anybody so I said okay let's all pump the brakes here even though I love how CJ Stroud has been playing and then you say well who's out there that is a more genuine MVP candidate who I mean the odds in Vegas are Tua Lamar Mahomes and I think the Mahomes thing is obviously he's always going to be the most valuable players in football but it's I, I saw the other day a stat that none of his 50 best starts in his career have occurred this year That's not the MVP, in in my opinion. And so you think about Stroud, who on Sunday generated 17 offensive explosive plays, which is tied for the most by an offense, fourth most by an offense in the last 23 years. Last week, the most efficient and most explosive passer in the entire NFL. That's not rookies. That's not young quarterbacks. That's the entire NFL. Um, He has resurrected a Texans franchise that 13 months ago employed Jack Easterby. Um, He beat a really good Bengals team that I thought was rounding into Super Bowl contender form heading into the last couple of weeks. And so if he's not in the MVP conversation, what kind of conversation are you having?
0: calendar has turned to double digits on the gridiron and per usual it's a league of quarterback questions in minnesota the guy who goes by the nickname pastrodot kept the vikings train rolling as josh dobbs has become one of the best stories of this nfl season the 49ers are looking all world again after trouncing a hot jacksonville team leaving the jags to wonder if they are in good hands with trevor lawrence Crunch time is starting to look like a problem for the 2019 MVP as Lamar Jackson stumbled late in the battle with the Browns and, of course, the ghost of Art Modell. And C.J. Stroud is single-handedly helping the city of Houston move on, this time showing out on the road against Joe Burrow. For the Ohio State grad who was lighting it up in his rookie year, there are only three letters that matter. M.V.P. I'm Clinton Yates, kiddos. It's Monday, November 13th. This is ESPN Daily. You know, this is one that I was thinking about all day today, and then something happened. The Lord of NFL tweets, Adam Schefter, tweeted this specifically. (laughs) C.J. Stroud has entered the MVP conversation, which means it's really real. More specifically, though, he's a rookie. Mm -hmm. This is pretty unheard of. What is it like for you to look at this right now for a kid with that little experience and what he's doing to the league?
1: Well, I think the most important thing is that Bobby Slowick, the – Offensive coordinator of the Texans is not babying him. And over the past couple of years, Clinton, we've seen a trend where they tend to baby rookie quarterbacks, and they're not doing that in Houston. They are going down the field. Um, they are attacking, and I, I think I saw a stat, I looked it up earlier today, uh, the in, the intended air yards per completion, which is basically how far they go down the field, was two yards longer than anybody else today. Um, in the NFL. And again, not rookies, not young quarterbacks. He's going further down the field and guys are catching it at a point significantly farther than anybody else in his window. This is a coaching staff that is handling him like a veteran. And that's part of the MVP discussion. He's not playing like a rookie because the Texans have not put rookie expectations on him. Mm. They've put veteran mid-career expectations and he's thriving within that. But if this continues, um, this is a playoff team and and this is a a, a great, great quarterback.
0: Air yards per completion. You hear that, kiddos? That's an around the horn panelist level piece of analysis <laughs> coming from Kevin Clark. This is not your garden variety nonsense. Breaking it down to the analytics. So, okay, look, speaking of getting a little bit more specific, this game was built Stroud versus Burrow. It delivered for sure. Stroud basically outcooled Burrow, led him on a game winning drive with a buck 33 left on the clock to win this thing. What do you think this means in terms of the direction that both teams are moving in? The Bengals, a hot team that people expected to have big aspirations at the beginning of the season, and the Texans, who are all of
1: a sudden back on the scene. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a little bit more of a journey for the Bengals, because I thought they were going to win the Super Bowl coming into camp, then Joe Burrow has the calf, and he really needs to kind of feel it in order to get... Uh, into those sort of hot streaks that then propel him to AFC title game, Super Bowls, that sort of stuff. And if the calf never properly healed, he would never feel it. I felt after the past couple of weeks, we were starting to see them round into that form. I was in Cincinnati in August to do a story about the Cincinnati offense and and kind of Burrow and how he's evolved. And, and the Bengals coaching staff told me an anecdote about how basically teams completely changed their identity to defend Burrow. And they talked about a 2021 game uh, against the Niners where the Niners came out with a Tampa 2 look that they had never seen before. The the Bengals had watched every single game, never seen this look before, and the defensive coordinator in that game was D'Amico Ryans. And he basically taught the Niners that day a different defense just to defend Joe Burrow. And so... D'Amico Hines is a really good coach, and we're starting to see that. I don't think we should put this all on CJ Stroud or, uh, you know, that Will Anderson on the defensive side of the ball. Like, this is a, an organization that's taking a step forward in a really meaningful way. And so I think the Texans are, are going to be a, a tough out, even if they're not a playoff team this year. I think they will be a playoff team. I think we're seeing... A Bengals team that's still going to take a couple more weeks to find their identity. I'm not worried about them. I will not be worried about them until they're eliminated from playoff contention. We've seen them down in the fourth quarter in playoff games. They always figure it out. Nobody figured. No one solves those kind of problems late like Joe Burrow. So I'm not worried about that. I think this says more about the Texans, frankly, and their ascendancy this quick into the Ryan's CJ Stroud, Will Anderson era.
0: That would be D'Amico Ryan's head coach of the Houston Texans, who if I'm going to say that Shroud is an MVP candidate, he has to be a coach of the year candidate as well. 100%. All right, moving on to the battle of the ghost of Art Modell. In (laughs) Baltimore, the game started, as you might expect, the Red Hot Ravens, they jumped out to a big 24-9 lead. Deshaun Watson was looking lost. Odell Beckham found the end zone, and then everything changed. The Browns ended up beating the Ravens on a walk-off field goal to win 33-31.
1: What's your takeaway here, Kevin? It's funny, uh, you mentioned around the horn. No. There was a very funny topic in the middle of last week where the question was, who's, who's the best team in the AFC North? And all of the panelists but me said Baltimore. I said it. it is, well, I qualified it. Uh, I probably lost points for this. <laughs> I said it's Baltimore right now in November of 2023. It will be the Cincinnati Bengals. I still believe that. Okay. But Barnwell, our dear friend Bill Barnwell, said, well, when the Ravens lose, they beat themselves. So And he he kind of used that as a as a good thing. And somehow, oh, well, they decide when they're going to do the little blow-ups. And in reality, he said, wait a second, how is that a good thing if they're going to have these blow-up type of games? And I thought about that today with the Ravens where they just played a sloppy game. It's not like the Browns played some perfect game. Deshaun Watson threw one of the worst pick-sixes you'll ever see um, to start the game. Yeah. By the way, Lamar had a pick-six um, later in that game to sort of uh, sort of hold serve in, in the uh, in, in the sloppy mistakes off that was going on. Touchdowns on their last two possessions. <laughs> Deflection picked off and taken back by Newsom. <laughs> Newsom stayed in bounds. Touchdown. This was a brutal game that the Ravens shouldn't have lost. There's a couple of worrying things. One is that Lamar Jackson, his deep ball over the past couple of weeks, has been really bad. Since week six, uh, according to Next Gen stats, he's three of thirteen for eighty-nine yards, zero touchdowns, one interception on uh, deep passes. I think that's twenty yards in the air. Um, earlier this season, he was awesome at that. He still has an incredibly high floor because he's a, a, a he's good at the everything else, and he's obviously an amazing athlete and he's a very smart quarterback. Um, but according to Jake Trotter, a colleague, Jake Trotter, the Browns trailed for fifty-nine minutes and twenty seconds. No team this millennium has one trailing that long in a game. So they give up the pick six, and then they do not even tie the game for that long, and then they win right at the end. Um, That should not be happening. Not in a game where Deshaun Watson was one of nine in the first quarter, worst completion percentage of any start in his career. Um, This was was just a sloppy game from the Ravens, and if the Ravens are going to be... This team we thought, and they are on around the horn and all the all the shows in the morning of the past couple of weeks where we think they're a Super Bowl contender, the best team in the AFC, whatever, they cannot have these kind of blow up games. You have to win three games in a row at the very least to win the Super Bowl. And I, I don't like the odds right now of a team that implodes every few weeks.
0: You mentioned this kind of offhand, and we'll get back to the Browns in a second, but that last pick six was not some trifling matter. That's Jackson's 12th turnover in the fourth quarter or overtime of a one-score game over the past three seasons. That has to be a worrying trend. Forget about sloppy games in general, specifically
1: for a game that's a division rival. One million percent. And by the way, this Browns team, the way they're winning games, they're going to be in the playoffs. And they're a really good defense with uh, Miles Garrett, who's a game wrecker. They might have to play this team in the first round. Um, I completely agree. It's worrying. We are past the point of he's learning a new offense, uh, as an excuse. Uh, we are past the point of, he does not have weapons. Um, this is, this is a quarterback who needs to stop turning the ball over. He needs to get the deep passes, uh, back on track. I thought he was an MVP candidate even two weeks ago. I still believe in a wide open MVP race. And if he has an, a hot six weeks, um, this entire narrative can turn on its head. We see this all the time, every single I mean, even Tom Brady, we've seen it with every single quarterback has lows of of, of their season. And even in MVP years, we see it. And then we forget about it. We all have short memories in the NFL. We always forget about it. And I'm not counting out Lamar Jackson at all. Um, Every quarterback goes through this, but he's got to figure this out and soon.
0: Coming up, the 49ers look all world. Can't stop The 49ers and the Jaguars, I say Jaguars, they both met. They're both coming off of bye weeks. They're heading in different directions. The Niners, they started off 5-0. and They dropped three straight, though. Meanwhile, the Jags had won five consecutive games after starting off a little shaky at 1-2, and two, but this game flipped those trends as the Niners banged them out 34-3. to We'll start with the Niners' defense. What worked there that hadn't over the past few weeks?
1: Chase Young, uh, trade deadline acquisition. He worked. He was a smart idea to go get him. Um, five sacks, 10 quarterback hits for that front seven. Uh, that led to turnovers. Um, four turnovers tied for the best this year that they've had. Uh, they allowed three points, obviously. The proof is in the pudding. They made Trevor Lawrence look like an amateur. And this was the defense that we wanted to see. Um, you saw Chase Young and and Bosa combine for a strip sack. This is the reason you go out and do it. And and it's funny because I think everybody at the trade deadline says we're gonna solve our problems. And what the Niners did was say, We have a pretty good unit, let's make it a great unit, which you very rarely see in the NFL. And I, I love the move. Um, I think the discourse around Chase Young because he'd been a disappointment as a second overall pick had gotten a little confused. This is a guy who was top five in the NFL in pressures, um, which is my favorite stat in all football. Um, because, again, if you pressure a quarterback, you ruin a play. Um, so the fact that they got him, it it, it legitimized them. I think I just made up a word <laughs> as a Super Bowl contender um, because I was frankly getting a little bit worried about that over the past three weeks.
0: Not going to lie, Commander's fans, you can't be mad. If a hometown kid like Chase Young, who grew up seeing an awful franchise, didn't want to hang around, and all of a sudden he turns into a guy on another team, Mm -hmm. that's an organizational issue. That's not
1: an issue with the player. Am I crazy about this, Kevin? You are not crazy. Also, if a guy gets traded before his contract year, it means you didn't offer him a good enough contract. Listen, I understand the hesitancy to give him what he's asking for. He has not played as much as he could. The lows have been low, but I'm a big fan of guys who can generate pressure. I would overpay them. And I think what the Niners have done is uh, is get a low-risk uh, acquisition and re-enter the Super Bowl race with it. This is what they do. This is what smart teams like the Eagles and Niners do over and over and over again, is say, hey, you know what? We're going to have this guy for one year. Good. Fine. We'll win a Super Bowl with him. We'll win a playoff game with him. Whatever it is, we'll deal with that later. They understand the risk, and they go from there.
0: All right, moving to the offensive side of the ball, the Niners got back to who they are, who we've seen them be the first five weeks of the season. Yeah. Non-coincidentally, Trent Williams on the line, and their biggest weapon, in my opinion, Debo Samuel, are back. What was their impact today on what the Niners could do with the ball?
1: You get back to playing bully ball. That's what it is. They want to play bully ball. They want to hit guys in the open field. Trent Williams is as good a player as there is in the National Football League. Uh, That's a long and athletic front seven that the Niners were able to completely neutralize for most of the day. We got to see normal Purdy. I, I, I think the discourse with Purdy now is settled into a nice place. I think. I hope. It can always reignite. But what I think we know now is that Brock Purdy is an elevated version of a normal quarterback, which means, guess what? He is a product of his surroundings. He's the product of, is Trent Williams playing or not? Is Debo Samuel playing or not? Just like about 27 other quarterbacks are. He didn't need to be superhuman, but he also doesn't need to be branded as trash either. Um, I think he's just a fine quarterback who executes a Shanahan offense well, and we saw that today.
0: As our friends Marty and McGee like to say on Hillbilly Headlines, getting on down to Duval County, Suddenly there is a race in the AFC South. Houston isn't going away. The Colts serve five and five and 500 after they beat the Pats in Germany on Sunday morning. It doesn't feel like the Jags are going to win this division just kind of by default anymore. And Trevor Lawrence had a really tough day against the aforementioned Niners defense. Where are the wires right now for you in terms of their progress?
1: Wow. Um, incredible nickname, by the way. Thank you. On your part. <laughs> it took me a second. Now, now I'm forging right ahead, yes. realizing your brilliance. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 48 quarterback rating from Trevor Lawrence, 185 passing yards, zero touchdowns today, two picks. Who boy, to lose, by the way, to A, Mr. Relevant, obviously it's not the same, same draft, but this is brutal because it's the way you lost. I did tears last week on my show, um, This Is Football, mm-hmm. and I put the Jaguars, I think, on the second tier just because, okay, they're six and two and they don't have a lot of competition in the division, right? That was my thought process even a week ago. And then you see them play as Super Bowl contender, and you go, oh, they aren't there. They're not even close to there. They're 31 points away from there. And you start to realize how how big the difference is. And that Trevor Lawrence maybe hasn't taken the leap that we think. And they kind of like what we were talking about. You see C.J. Stroud play as well as he is, and you go, oh, this is what a franchise-changing quarterback looks like. Is Trevor Lawrence that? And I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying... Jaguars fans can look at both those quarterbacks and say, I see one guy who's playing out of his mind right now, and I'm seeing one guy who's not playing out of his mind. Um, and so I think that division is wide open. And I think that we have sort of memory hold the struggles the Jaguars had last year, um, how hot they had to get at the end of the season. Um, I, I was thrilled with the story. I was still with Doug Peterson. I was thrilled with Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is a very good quarterback. Um, but I think in, to paraphrase the, uh, the legendary Dennis Green, uh, let's not let's not go ahead and, and and crown them. If you want to crown them, crown them, but I, I I'm not. I I do not think they are who who the, we thought they were.
0: All right, as you know, I live in Los Angeles. Mm. That means that the Rams and the Chargers both play here, and one of those teams this city cares about a lot more than the other. So let's get to Lions Chargers, Kevin. It was given shades of the Big Twelve. Not a lot of tackling. Every time I looked up, I felt like somebody was running free down the field towards the end zone. And the Lions won this thing 41-38 to on a Riley Patterson walk-off 41-yard field goal. Like, I'm not saying that this is walking into Lambeau in January and taking one from Brett Favre. Yeah. But this felt like a big win for a Lions team that still
1: some people don't necessarily believe in. Now, hang on, Clinton. You said that, that nobody cares but the Chargers in L.A. And they're trying. They're trying to suck up to USC fans by playing <laughs> USC's brand of defense in Los Angeles I love and saying, this "I thought you liked this. I, I thought this you liked bit. this." Seventy thousand people show up for these games.
0: This is a very good bit.
1: <laughs> why don't you? Why don't you like us when we do it? I have heart um, problems. That's why it's not good it, for the ticker. Uh, this was a bad loss at home. They're not as good at the, as the Lions, but at some point. If you're Brandon Staley, and hypothetically, they will not do this, but hypothetically, I like to do this exercise. If the Spanos family said, hey, make a case for you to continue working here, what is Brandon Staley's best case to make? Because he's a defensive guy whose entire uh, operating procedure was to limit explosive plays, and he doesn't do that ever. And in fact, on the Lions' last drive, they just casually gave up a 40-yard play at the beginning of the drive, and the game was basically over from there. They had to get a fourth down, but then the game was tied. And you know, Dan Campbell's an aggressive coach. By the way, there were eight fourth down attempts. Seven of them were converted. There was no defense in this game. Any offensive coach would better for Justin Herbert uh, from the head coach position. Um, I just don't know why this daily era should continue. Um, they have a soft schedule coming up, so maybe he'll save his job. But on the other hand, he's a bad coach, and so he'll drop some. Um, this is a team that consistently underachieves relative to the names on their roster um, and at some point you got to win games like this consistently and i just haven't seen it this was an identity game from from Detroit going on the road um scoring a ton of points that we knew they weren't going to be a lead on defense this year but to limit the Chargers team to that to win on the last play of the game i loved this team yeah but here's the thing
0: as i say when coaches are on the hot seat all the time there's the question of all right a, when do you do it? And B, who you're going to get? Yeah. For this franchise, for Herbert, that will have been a lot of rotation through head coaches for a guy that we still consider to be a quote-unquote young quarterback. Mm-hmm. I don't know when this happens for a Chargers team that's seemingly in every game but can't
1: find a way to win them. So I'd say a couple things. If you want to wait till the end of the season, fine. I don't think this team is going to win that many games. So I think that you're looking at eight wins, nine wins, something like that. Unless they go on a hot streak, Justin Herbert is a type of quarterback who at this point in his career should be winning double-digit games basically automatically, unless there's some crazy injury season or they have awful luck one season. But basically, the floor, if you're an elite quarterback, if you're the quarterback the media thinks you are, you should be winning 10 to 11 games given a competent roster every single year. And I do believe this roster is generally competent. Um, And so... It I just change the coach because you're not going to change the quarterback. He he signed an extension. He's really good. Justin Herbert's a lot better at his job than anybody else in that franchise, as far as um, uh, coach, GM, whatever. Sure. Who are you going to get? A bunch of people. They should call Ben Johnson, who's on the other sideline today, calling the offensive plays. They should call him. I don't know if he takes it unless he really, really wants a quarterback and puts a premium on that and says, "I'll take less money." Maybe a franchise that doesn't uh, isn't as luxurious. I'll go with that instead of going to the Commanders and trying to solve that situation, right? Um, and so, I think that there's a bunch of guys, uh, Evero, the DC in Carolina, who. Maybe she should just be promoted to be head coach <laughs> in Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Gerard Mayo in New England should probably be promoted to be the Patriots' next head coach. But there's going to be guys uh, who, are, who are floating around where you say, okay, this guy, we think, is a significant upgrade over what Staley is showing us, which is mediocrity, not taking care of his side of the ball, and frankly having no case to be in charge of one of the best, and I hate to say the phrase, but best young quarterbacks in football.
0: This is why we like Kevin solutions oriented replies. That's the goal. I got names. That's the I goal. I got names. Well done. Don't hire a search firm. Just listen to the ESPN daily coming up. Save you money. The pastor flies high once again in Minnesota. Passion drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. One of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Kevin, I want to turn to what is currently my favorite personal nickname in the sport. That's Josh Dobbs, a.k.a. The Pastronaut, who we watched lead the Vikings to a three-point victory in Atlanta last week while he was still learning his teammates' names. Today, he stood up against big pressure, used his legs really well, and the guy just keeps looking more competent under center. The Vikes are 6-4. and Justin Jefferson should be coming back soon. Where do you place them in the scrum as we head into the second half of the season?
1: You know, it's funny. When Kirk Cousins went down, I I did a bit on my show about how this changes everything for two reasons. Number one is that Kirk Cousins would have been highly in demand on the market um, if he became a free agent when healthy. Um, But then the second part of it is that I believed now there was not a credible seventh playoff team in the NFC. I thought it was going to be an absolute mess, and we were going to get some team that uh, nobody wanted to see. And what I call – I call the first playoff game the two versus seven. I call it the – this could have been an email game because it's always (laughs) just awful, and nobody wants to see it. And it's on the early Saturday spot, and we're like – Really, we could have been, you know, we could have been at a beach drinking a beer at this point. You could, because you live in L.A. I could I live in New York. Um, I could have been, I don't know, ice skating or something. Um, But what Josh Dobbs can do, aside from, I don't know if you saw the clip, he can now identify where the Vikings locker room is. Uh, He could not do that uh, before about 11 a.m. today. Um, But what he can do is he can get the ball into the hands of the playmakers. And you saw Justin Jefferson tweet after the game, I can't wait to get out there with those guys. That was a bit of a question a couple of weeks ago. Would Justin Jefferson want to rush back? Would he want to... Screw rushing back. Would he want to come back on a really bad Vikings team where he's not going to be able to get the ball? Guess what Josh Dobbs has shown? If Justin Jefferson is out there, Josh Dobbs is going to get him the ball. Um, This is one of the most fun stories I can remember. It's so pure. It shows you what happens when everybody believes in something. And I think it's awesome. What's happening there is... um, frankly, a football miracle right now. I don't think it's going to last forever, but he is, you know, we joked about this on Around the Horn last week, but I think he's got a job in the NFL for a long time, but I also think that he, if he just, you know, wants to auction off his services every single week and just become all-time NFL emergency quarterback, he's got a job till he's 50. This guy was running bits at Arizona, trying to
0: find his own jersey in the very team's pro shop in the stadium. Yes. Now he's got a minted yes. nickname and has got what I'll just call a legacy franchise back on top you're not telling me there's a better story than this there might be ones that are as good this nfl season
1: there's none better kevin there isn't and he's a great guy and i I just everything he's getting he deserves and it is absolutely the story of the season all right
0: sunday began with maybe the most toothless international game we've seen all season (laughs) sidebar did you see the roof at that frankfurt stadium the one that collapses into the scoreboard were you
1: familiar with this before today I was not, and I'm actually a pretty big soccer fan. And so I'm surprised I'd never, I'd never come across any of the collapsible German roofs, but here we are.
0: Fine German engineering per usual. Anyways, the Colts beat the Patriots 10 to six, big whoop in Frankfurt, Germany. And with all apologies to Jonathan Taylor and the Colts, the story here is Bill Belichick because see the Pats rolled into their bye week at two and eight, two and eight. Mac Jones looks like he might be headed to the bench. We just haven't seen this team be this hopeless in Foxborough literally this century. Kevin, how do we even begin to approach what the decaying state of the Patriots franchise is?
1: How much time do we have? Um, <laughs> this is uncharted waters because I didn't think this would get this bad this soon. I thought that, so I, like everybody's been asking me this anytime I go on a show. And my, my answer for the past two months has been, he'll get an extra year or more than he should have. And then people in New England said to me, Clinton, are we sure this is not the bonus here? Mm. Would he have been fired? If his name was was Joe Schmo, would he have been fired last January? It's a fair question. Um, if he didn't have a bunch of Super Bowl rings, if he wasn't the best coach of all time, if you just looked at the last couple of years, would he have been fired? Um, I don't know the answer to that. Remember, we don't know how patient or impatient Robert Kraft is. He has not made a coaching decision in over two decades. Okay. Um, he has let Bill Belichick run every single facet of that organization. So you see him on the NFL Network, basically saying this is not the way. Um, this is not the way that that they want the season to go. They're all surprised by it, all that stuff. I think the biggest question Clinton is. So they're in line for a top three pick. It looks like, mm-hmm. and depending on, I think the Giants might accidentally win some because Brian Dable is trying to not get fired. But if the, if the Patriots somehow end up with a top two pick. And it's Drake May, Caleb Williams. And Bill O'Brien is there. And last time there was a young quarterback, Bill Belichick brought in Matt Patricia and Joe Judge to be the offensive head coaches last year, right? Um, Maybe he wants to bring in Josh McDaniels again and go through that circus. But if I'm Robert Kraft and I see Drake May or Caleb Williams coming into my building, and I know this is sacrilegious to say, is Bill Belichick the guy you want guiding the beginning of their careers? seeing how quickly it collapsed with Mac Jones. Now, it's possible you think that Mac Jones, despite his success, relatively speaking, his rookie year, it's possible you think he's a uniquely bad quarterback. I tend to think the the truth is somewhere in the middle. I think he's an okay quarterback quarterback who after his rookie year was failed by a series of of bad decisions and bad roster management. There's a lot of bad players in that Patriots team. Um, And so I guess my question is, if Bill the GM can't uh, stock the cupboard with talent, if Bill the coach has struggled to get an apparatus around Mac Jones that that it makes him succeed, what makes me think, if I'm Robert Kraft, that Bill Belichick is the best-equipped guy to lead a top-two pick into the next decade.
0: Barrel-chested man who never has any problems doing one thing, watching the film. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks, buddy. I'm Clinton Yates. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk
1: to you tomorrow.